some general information about uh, Dr. Castro is last fall, he was appointed as the eighth chancellor of the California State University. He began serving in that capacity on January 4th of this year. He is the first Californian as well as the first uh, Mexican-American appointed to that role. Um, a uh, link to his bio will be placed in the chat uh, for your reference. And with that, I will turn it over to uh, Chancellor Castro for some remarks. Thank you, Mike. Good afternoon, everybody. It's nice to see you. I, I remember our uh, gathering during the transition time, and I really appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you. So I, I thank you for your time today. And uh, I, I wanna say a special shout out to my friends in Fresno, the Collegian. Um, I, miss, I miss the students there. And it's, it's great for me as your new chancellor to get to communicate with students, uh, it, it's a it's a privilege and a pleasure. So um, I wanted to share with you some of my priorities and what you'll find is a lot of uh, consistency with what I shared with you the last time. And this is um, after my first month in office, I started January 4th, as Mike mentioned. Um, but first and foremost, and I, I think most appropriate is uh, to ensure um, the, the health and safety uh, of all of you, of all of our students, faculty, staff, and communities. And um, I'm continuing to uh, focus on ways in which we can uh, do that and um, support your continued success in meeting your educational goals. So those twin North Stars that Chancellor Emeritus White and I have talked about uh, continue to guide our decision-making. And you may know that at the last trustees meeting, I presented to them um, our plan to um, continue that commitment that we would uh, plan to have a majority of our courses in person in the fall if health conditions allow for that. And that would be as a system, uh, recognizing that there will be uh, variations at the local level depending on the availability of vaccines and, um, and the situation that is evolving uh, at the different campuses. Um, and if in the course of the virus, it appears that we will not be able to achieve that goal, then I want to communicate um, that change that we would be pivoting uh, accordingly. Um, but based on the, um, the experts that I've been hearing from, uh, they continue to think that it's a reasonable goal uh, Dr. Fauci included, as you might know, he shared that with us and continues to believe that um, it's appropriate to plan in this way. So I wanted to start with that priority because that's that's number one. And I've been spending a good amount of time with the presidents talking about their individual campus planning efforts and encouraging the continued consultation with the county public health departments uh, that those campuses work with. Um, I'm also happy that um, many of our campuses, uh, 13 of them, have already um, become uh, sites for vaccinations or will be uh, in, the near, in the very near term. Uh, you might have heard about Cal State LA's designation last week as one of the uh, federally sponsored sites. Um, I anticipate that in the coming days that there will be other campuses where that will also uh, be the case. So. Uh, stay in touch uh, with us. We'll keep you in touch on that as well. But I 
Um, as, as you know, we've offered uh, all of our campuses to help in this way. The second priority is around graduation initiative 2025 and ensuring that we meet our uh, ambitious and bold graduation rate goals for all of you and for our other almost 500,000 talented and diverse students. And um, what I'd like to do as the new chancellor is, um, is to look at those equity gaps that currently exist and that have been very stubborn and to do all I can with, uh, with all of our colleagues across the system and in partnership with all the students to eliminate those equity gaps. So I've, um, I've actually established a, a new steering committee for the graduation initiative 2025. Uh, it will be meeting by Zoom soon. And um, the charge is, is very clear. It's to look at the ways in which we have been successful already and to try to identify uh, additional strategies that will help us to meet our graduation rate goals and to close those equity gaps. Um, and I've asked them to give me some recommendations uh, and the, the rest of the board of trustees at the July meeting. So I anticipate that group's gonna do its work uh, quickly um, and build from the work that's already been done. And again, with a, a strong equity focus to try to get rid of these um, equity gaps that exist for Pell students and for underrepresented students. Um, another one of my priorities is to begin to visit campuses. Uh, that will be virtual at the beginning and then in person, I hope, as conditions allow in the fall. And, um, and I have my first couple of visits uh, this month and uh, we'll be happy to provide you with more information about that as we finalize our plans. And um, hopefully uh, when I come to your campus, we can uh, connect in some way. Um, another priority uh, is to make sure that uh, we inspire our state elected officials to reinvest in the CSU. Um, we've been very aggressive in our advocacy over the last several weeks. And, uh, and last week in particular, we had our advocacy week uh, that involved our students, our faculty, our staff, our alumni. And we made the case that we need to restore the funding that was cut last year of 299 million. And we asked for additional resources, um, 365 million in additional resources at the permanent uh, level, permanent funding, uh, to help fully fund graduation initiative 2025. And that would include the 299 million uh, to restore that funding as well. And then we're also seeking 565 million in one-time funds that would be used to upgrade classrooms and laboratories and deal with the significant deferred maintenance that exists um, across the different campuses. So it's a bold um, request and I, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're gonna be able to inspire our legislative leaders and the governor to fund it. Um, we've received a lot of support so far and we're gonna need to continue to be very aggressive in making our case in the coming weeks and months as the budget process at the state level uh, you know, progresses. And the same as at the federal level, we've continued to advocate for additional relief funds for uh, emergency grants for students as well as funding that will help the CSU to um, 
uh, provide uh, technology to students that need it, to provide uh, cleaning supplies and uh, safe you know, equipment to keep folks safe uh, in the classrooms, PPE and so forth. So we're gonna continue to be very um, aggressive at the federal level and our hope is there'll be additional funding um, as uh, President Biden has proposed um, and that will help uh, all of our students as well as the CSU during this challenging time. And especially as we get ready to hopefully repopulate in the fall, there'll be lots of expenses that will incur to make sure that happens uh, safely. Um, another priority is uh, to increase the diversity of our faculty. We talked about this last time, and um, I believe that that's connected to our success in GI 2025 as well, that we, uh, that we already have a very diverse student body. And while our faculty has become more diverse over the last few years, there's still more work to do. And I wanna work with uh, the presidents and uh, the faculty senate and other leaders to try to um, enhance the diversity of our faculty. I do believe that the state will uh, help us in this way. There, there could be some additional investments of funding to help us establish some new partnerships with perhaps the University of California, creating a more robust pathway for CSU graduates to go get doctorates at, at the UC and then try to inspire uh, many of them to come back as faculty members in the CSU. So those are uh, discussions that are ongoing and then finally, um, we talked about this last time, is um, I'd like to uh, be even more strategic in using technology across the CSU to enhance teaching and learning uh, for all students and for our faculty. And you know, we're the largest, most diverse public university uh, system in the, in the country. So I'd like to leverage the size and complexity as we look at different kinds of partnerships with uh, private companies that will benefit our students and faculty and staff. So I'll, um, I'll end with that and I'll be happy to answer your questions about uh, these areas or anything else that's uh, on your mind today. Thank you. Great, Th thank you so much, Chancellor Castro. Uh, our first question is gonna come from Chrissy Martinez and I, I'll remind you all if you could again, uh, stay on mute and then raise your hand to ask a question. If you could also, uh, after you're unmuted, identify which campus you're with and the outlet, that would be extremely helpful. So our first question will go from, from uh, Chrissy Martinez and then uh, second next question will be from Cameron Oaks. Chrissy? Hello, everyone. My name is Chrissy Martinez. I am a news reporter for the State Hornet at the California um, Sacramento State campus. My question was, will the CSU system require students to get the COVID-19 vaccine to attend in-person classes in the fall? And will you require masks as well? Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the question. Stingers up, right? Your president would say. <laughs> um, so what I, what I would say is that um, I anticipate that we'll continue to need um, personal protective equipment in, in the fall. I anticipate there will continue to be some social distancing. I don't yet know what the state guidelines are gonna be for that. And that's what we're awaiting uh, from them. And I, I hope that we'll see some, some guidelines in the coming weeks. Um, as it relates to vaccines, the focus right now for the CSU is to um, get as many vaccines 
uh, as possible in our communities and to inspire our students and faculty and staff to, uh, to take the opportunity to get vaccinated. And, um, and I want to work with the UC and the community colleges in the state of California on a, a marketing campaign to do that. So that's the focus right now is on inspiring participation. And I anticipate that some students are going to uh, want to come back to campus. Other students are gonna say, you know, I think I might wanna wait a little bit longer. I've heard from students with different opinions. And for those who might want to wait, um, I know that each campus is gonna accommodate um, those interests. And I think it's a time, again, as we've been throughout this pandemic, it's a time to be flexible and reasonable and compassionate. And that's how we'll proceed for the fall as well. Great, thank you. Thank you, Chrissy. Uh, so we'll take a question from uh, Cameron and then Eve after that. Hello, my name is Cameron Oaks. I'm with Cal Poly's Mustang News. I am the news editor. Um, and I kind of just wanted to build off what Chrissy was asking about, just to clarify. Um, so would vaccines be required for students to return to campus? Um, or is that something that still hasn't been decided yet? As I mentioned before, um, our focus is really to try to get the vaccines here to each campus and to inspire participation. Um, there may be some students for different reasons who decide they don't wish to be vaccinated or a staff or faculty member who doesn't wish to do so. Um, I, I'm gonna respect that and really focus on trying to get as many people vaccinated as possible and, um, and to plan accordingly for the fall. And, and you know, it's still so early to be able to determine exactly what all that's gonna look like for the fall. But um, based on what I'm hearing from students is so many of you want to come back if it's safe. And I believe one important ingredient in that safety is to try to get as many people vaccinated as possible. And then we'll have um, personal protective equipment and social distancing as well. Uh, whatever is required by the county public health departments in the state, we'll, we've always adhered to those, um, those guidelines and we'll continue to do so. Okay, Mike. Sorry, I'm sorry. We'll take a question from Eve and then we'll go to Trevor. Hi, uh, my name is Eve. I'm a reporter with Golden Gate Express at San Francisco State University. Great. Um, and my question has to do with um, the COVID temporary paid administration leave. Um, yeah. I'm aware that that program was uh, uh, canceled recently, and I'm wondering why the decision was to discontinue that program and if that will be reevaluated based on potential changing COVID conditions in the future. I appreciate the question. Uh, the program wasn't canceled. The program um, expired at the end of the year. And the question is, what are we going to do now? Uh, we've been in negotiations with each of the unions to have um, a new version of the leave program. And uh, the Teamsters have already agreed to that. Uh, the other unions are still discussing it with us, and I'm hopeful that in the coming days that we'll have that finalized so that 
everybody knows that we have a, a paid leave policy and knows how to, to use it. That's the most important thing for me. So it was really a matter of us um, needing to negotiate the new program with the different unions uh, for the CSU. And I hope that we'll come to agreement shortly on that. I might Great. just say as well, Mike, before you move on, that the leave program that we're anticipating will look a lot like the one that we had last year. Great, thank you for clarifying that, Dr. Castro. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a question from Trevor and then Ian will follow up. Hi, I'm Trevor Morgan. I'm assistant news editor for the Daily Sundial at Cal State Northridge. Hi. Uh, hi, how's it going? Uh, yeah. The question I have is, um, with this budget deficit that's hitting CSU, I know you're expecting funds federally and from the state, but as unions are pressuring to prevent layoffs, as tuition is being promised at a lot of CSUs to be flatlined, and as enrollment is starting to increase, uh, how is CSU going to account for this budget deficit? Is it going to solely rely on state and federal funds? And just a second question, if you're going to allow students and faculty faculty who vaccinated back onto campuses, could that be considered safe? Trevor, uh, you got cut off on the second part of your question. Let me hear that one more time. Sure. Um, can you hear me all right? Yeah, right now. Uh, I if you're going to allow students and faculty uh, to respect their decision, as you said, to not be vaccinated, um, how would that be considered safe for students to be to, and faculty to come back on campus if they aren't required to be vaccinated? I appreciate that question, both of those. So let me take the budget one first, and then we'll do the vaccination one after. Um, in terms of budget, um, as you might know, the CSU system has had about a $700 million loss of revenue on the non-state side, the auxiliary side. These are the nonprofits that serve all of us throughout the CSU. And then in addition to that, We've had to use, we plan to use about 200 million of the 400 million in undesignated reserves that we have across the system. So about 50% of our savings account, so to speak, that wasn't committed to other things, we're planning to use that money. So that obviously is not a sustainable strategy. And that's why the federal funds are so important for the things that the federal government will support, which includes really all, you know, uh, cleaning supplies, um, loss of revenue for the auxiliaries, things like that, um, technology. But we cannot use that money to pay uh, right now to pay for faculty and staff salaries. That's not allowed. So that's why the state funding is so critically important. And as you mentioned, um, if we're not going to raise tuition, how are we going to have enough money to do what we need to do? Great question. Uh, what I'd say is based on what the governor has said about the upcoming budget where he's agreed to reinvest additional funds um, and what we're getting from the federal government, and then our advocacy efforts to try to restore what was cut before, because of all those efforts, uh, if those things occur, um, I believe that we can avoid furloughs and avoid 
any additional layoffs while we also don't have to increase tuition. But it will require us to continue to be um, very aggressive in our advocacy at the state level and at the federal level uh, to, to have that continue to be the case. Uh, in terms of vaccinations, um, we have not discussed um, all the different, different details related to the fall. So I don't wanna get into that with you right now. I think it's too early, but I, I do want you to know that our goal is gonna be to um, get as many people vaccinated as possible. And then uh, with respect to some folks who are not vaccinated, uh, they may wish to, to stay at home or we'll have to negotiate that at the time. But um, I think that I want to avoid any um, legal issues as it re relates to requiring people to be vaccinated, especially with vaccines that have an emergency authorization. Um, so we're going to do our very best to inspire participation and, um, and to keep people as safe as possible uh, on the campuses. Great. Thank, thank you for that question, Trevor. Uh, just a reminder to everyone, if you could raise your hand, we're building a virtual queue. For those of you that uh, have already asked a question, we will try our best to get to you, but we're going to try to get to everyone else who has not had the opportunity to ask a question first. So we're going to go over to Ian and then uh, Chloe, you are on deck. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Ian Hilton. I'm a reporter at the Orion at Chico State. Hi, Ian. Hi. Um, my question regards, is regarding student housing. Yes. This past autumn, uh, it was attempted to bring students in for student housing. There was a spike with that virus and they had to be rushed out. It was handled, in my opinion, effectively, but somewhat chaotically. And so my question is, uh, this coming fall, uh, is there any kind of framework for a mitigation um, in case something like that happens again? Thank you, Ian. Well, I think we've all learned quite a lot during the pandemic um, through these experiences and we'll use those learning experiences as it relates to the fall at Chico and throughout the system. And I think, again, it's going to depend on what the local circumstances are in Butte County and how uh, Chancellor Hutchison and her team uh, will, will focus their energies in that area. I know in Fresno, we, we really focused on those students who were housing insecure, who, whose home was the campus. And, and we limited the population uh, for that purpose last fall. I think each campus is gonna look at the, the environment in which they're working and make determinations about that and do our very best to keep people safe. And as we've learned, sometimes you have to pivot and make a change, but, um, but I, I think that we're going to be very uh, thoughtful about our consultation with county public health directors and their, their experts there, as well as with the campus community before making you know, those decisions. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Ian, for the question. So we'll take the question now from uh, Chloe and then followed by uh, Julia or Julie. I apologize. I, I don't know the name. I just remind everyone, if you could please introduce the campus you're with in the outlet. So uh, we'll go to Chloe and then uh, Julia, you're up next. 
Hi, um, I'm Chloe Curtis, and I'm editor-in-chief at the Orion for Chico State. Right. And my question, hi, um, my question is relating to in-person instruction for fall 2021. Um, our campus released a statement this morning that we are anticipating returning to 20 to 30 percent of in-person courses. Um, I'm just curious what that process will look like for the rest of the CSU system. Will campuses be able to decide whether they wish to go, you know, 50% instruction fully in person, or will that, you know, will that be a decision based by each campus or a system-wide decision as this past spring and fall have been? Well, um, let me just start with the, the last spring and fall have been decisions at the campus level. So there was a system-wide framework that called for mostly virtual education in the case of the fall and the spring. Um, and then each campus had a different uh, approach. Some campuses had more virtual uh, than other campuses, depending on local circumstances. And that is what I believe will be the case for the fall, that our framework will be that a majority of our students will learn in person if the conditions allow that to be the case and there'll be local variations so that at Chico right now, I know they're planning for a lower uh, percentage of uh, students in person. Uh, it's still early. They could adjust in different ways. Uh, each campus is going through that process right now and we're having those conversations uh, with all the presidents and what I have said to them is that um, I will support their decisions that are based on what the local health experts say is appropriate and what is best for those communities. And if in the end, we don't have a system-wide uh, percentage that's above 50%, I'll make sure to communicate that publicly. But for right now, I do anticipate that it will be uh, at least uh, 50% in person and then there'll be campuses like Chico that have less and there'll be hybrid courses of courses, you know, where some courses will include in-person and virtual. And so it will, it will look differently at each of the 23 campuses. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Chloe. So we'll take the next question from, I'm going to guess Julia, then we'll go with Sydney and then Giselle to follow up. Thank you. My name is Julia Tabesh. I'm the news editor at the Daily 49er at Long Beach State. And my question relates to um, campus police. Uh, based on the public comment during the recent Board of Trustees meeting, do you have any plans to work toward reallocating funds from campus police? Well, as you probably know, um, each campus uh, has the support of public safety officers. And even during uh, COVID, We've needed to make sure that we have that staff in place to secure our facilities. I know as president of Fresno State, that was a big concern for us and for the community. And, um, and there had been some break-ins at the early part of COVID and we, we learned from that. And I think that that's so important to continue to, to um, provide safety for everybody and, and also to protect our important assets, our labs and classrooms and other areas to be there and available uh, for when people return. So I support that, that continuing. Um, I do know that our uh, police chiefs as a whole have 
endorsed uh, the Obama administration's 21st century policing report, which talked about the value of, of guardianship versus policing. And I, I agree with that. Um, what I don't uh, anticipate is any significant decreases in investment in that area. I think it's critically important to protect the safety of, of everybody at each of the 23 campuses. Great, thank you for that question, Julia. So we'll go now to Sydney, followed up by Giselle and then Anthony. Hi, I'm Sydney. I'm um, from the Lutrine at Cal uh, CSU Monterey Bay. Um, hi. Hi there. Um, so I just had a question regarding sports and with the hope to return to 50% in-person classes um, starting in fall 2021, I was wondering if there's any framework for um, sports teams being able to play again on campus um, or any guidelines so far on that. Thank you. I appreciate the question. Um, as president of Fresno State, uh, I had to make decisions about that campus in terms of athletics. And those were connected to the local health concerns as well as the conference that we were part of. And so that will continue to be the case for Monterey Bay and for the other campuses in the system. Um, those decisions will be made at that level. And as chancellor, I'll be there to be um, a sounding board and an advisor and supporter. Um, but I'm not going to mandate uh, one way or the other. It will be really determined by um, what the health experts say and then what the conference says uh, in terms of the participation of, of that particular CSU campus. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for that question, Sydney. We'll take a question now from Giselle, uh, and then we have Anthony and then Zaim. Um, hello, my name is Giselle Salcedo. I'm a staff writer with the Poly Post at Cal Poly Pomona. Hi there. Um, so you did mention about your goals with the 2025 graduation initiative and yeah. explain the development of a committee to organize it. How do you plan to address the concerns of students that have been affected during the pandemic, especially those who have started virtually this year and also students that are entering next year with classes moving back in person? Thank you. I appreciate that question. Because you're right, the work of GI 2025 must take into account what has occurred during the pandemic, uh, potential learning loss, um, exacerbated housing and food insecurity, and all those other challenges that, um, that we're all very familiar with and some of you may be dealing with right now. So I, I want you to know that I am very empathetic about that. Um, I am happy that Governor Newsom has included uh, our request for basic needs funding, um, and that will help. Uh, that will not solve the problem, but it will make a significant um, investment in that area, as well as investments in um, mental health and technology. And there's only one bill that we're sponsoring in Sacramento this year. It'll be carried by Assemblyman Kevin McCarty and we'll focus on providing more funding for student mental health at uh, CSU, UC, and the community colleges. So I promise you we're gonna do everything we can to address those issues as aggressively as possible. That's the only way that we're ever going to be successful in meeting our goals and helping all of you to realize your full 
your fullest potential. Thank you for that question, Giselle. Uh, so uh, we've got a little over 10 minutes left uh, in the availability today. We're gonna have, we have two more questions from first time folks. Uh, if you haven't asked a question yet, please do so we can get you in the queue. Otherwise, we're going to start going to some folks that have already had the chance to ask a question. So uh, we have Anthony and then Zaim as the next two questions. Hi, my name is Anthony. I'm with Cal State Fullerton, and I'm the news editor at the Daily Titan. Hi, Anthony. I was wondering if there's going to be like a long-lasting impact on the amount of online courses the CSU offers when the pandemic's over. I know a lot of students have just they never considered online school before and now they're kind of like taking for the first time and realizing that they love it. And I'm wondering what the CSU plans to do when the pandemic's over in terms of like offering more online courses. Thank you, Anthony. I agree with you completely. I, this has been such a stressful several months for all of us, um, almost a year now. And um, I think we've learned a lot about virtual education and for some students, uh, it's it's been it's it's been good, maybe not too bad. For some, it's been great. I've I've heard all different feedback, and my own personal view is that we're going to a new place. We're not going to go backwards to where we were a year ago. We're going to go to a new place, and that new place is going to uh, be shaped by what the students uh, prefer and what our faculty and staff prefer. And my prediction is we're going to have more virtual education than we did a year ago. It, it may not be as much as we have today, probably will not be, but I do think that it's going to be more than it was in the past because without the stress of the pandemic, I think it will be beneficial for some students and for some faculty to have uh, their courses structured in this way. Some faculty have said to me, Hey, I'm, a better teacher virtually than I was in person. So I think, again, it's going to be determined at that level by our students and our faculty to, to better serve your needs. And I think it will, will address some of those issues of, you know, for some students, they can't afford the gas to come to campus on a regular basis, or they're caring for children or other elders and can't be on campus at a particular time. So virtual education may end up being better uh, in part or in whole for them. So I, I would uh, predict that that's what, what's going to happen after we get out from under the stress of this pandemic. Thank you. Great. Thank you for that question, Anthony. We'll go to Zaim and then we will go back to Chrissy. Hi, my, <clears throat> sorry. Hi, my name is Zaim Sheikh. I'm the editor-in-chief of the Collegian at Fresno State. See you again. Yeah, it's good to go see dog. you again. Go dogs. <laughs> Uh, my question was, um, obviously now in this time, many faculty parents across the CSU system have been feeling very overwhelmed. So besides a new faculty leave program, uh, what other accommodations is the CSU system going to provide to faculty parents? I appreciate the question. I, I think the faculty leave program is an important part of it. Um, but I also think that um, having the conversations with, with our faculty who are parents in terms of what their needs are, just as we do for every other part of our university is really important. And to think about um, whether there are uh, new policies or new practices or new services. You know, we had these conversations, as you know, at Fresno State, 
and tried to put in place some different strategies there. So um, I think it starts with listening and understanding what the remaining concerns are beyond the leave part and then figuring out together how to uh, address those concerns. And I'll support the presidents in doing that. I, I don't think it's one of those things where it will require a one system mandate. It's, in my opinion, it'll be more about figuring out the creative solutions at each campus so that it really does serve those faculty in an effective way. And if there is a need for a system policy, then we would discuss that and, and work to implement that policy. Great, thank you for that question, Zaim. Uh, we'll go to Chrissy and then Cameron and then Chloe are the next three in queue. Hi again, uh, Stingers up. Uh, so I just ho was hoping you could go more so in depth um, for two questions. So sure. the first question is, what is the CSU system doing to work towards holding fall 21, um, 2021 mostly in person? And then um, the second question is, how is the CSU system working to protect students and faculty for all 23 campuses during the pandemic and after? Okay. Got it. So what are we doing for fall 2021? Um, I'll just restate, we're, we're making our campuses available for uh, vaccination sites and looking to partner with the county, with the state, with the federal government, whomever is interested in doing this to get more vaccines in our communities and to accelerate uh, the progress that we're making. And we're beginning to see that some progress California-wide, thankfully, in this week too. So I, I do think we're gonna see more progress in the coming days and weeks and months um, as, as things get ramped up with the Biden administration. Um, so we're gonna work hard to be a great partner there and to get everybody who wishes to be vaccinated, uh, vaccinated in a timely way. And that will maximize our chances of being able to offer as many in-person courses uh, as possible in the fall. Uh, we're gonna continue to advocate for funding to support a successful repopulation effort in the fall. So that's a really important part of it as well. There'll be costs that we'll, we're going to incur to reopen just as there were as we had to um, move people off campus in a safe way. Um, so we'll continue to do that at the state and the federal level. And uh, we'll continue to follow the, the experts, the health experts in making our decisions. I promise you that. And those twin North Stars will continue to be the most important thing, health and safety and your continued progress academically. And, um, and then your second question was about protecting, right? Protecting folks. And, and I think... Uh, what I would say to you is each of our presidents is making, um, I, I feel like they're making very good decisions. We as a system decided that we were gonna have very few in-person courses in January. And so most of our courses for the semester were either delayed until uh, February or started virtually in January and then transitioned to in-person for those few courses. So we've tried to follow the science there and to uh, have the resources available for protective equipment and for testing and, and so forth. And uh, 
I know that we'll continue to do that all the way through as we try and get everybody vaccinated in the coming months. Thank you for those questions. We'll go to Cameron and then Chloe. Hello again. Um, I'm the news editor with Cal Poly's Mustang News. Um, So you mentioned that one of your uh, priorities is increasing diversity of faculty. Um, I was curious how you plan to implement that, especially when uh, campuses are experiencing budget decreases and deficits at the time being. Thank you. Well, um, we will always be hiring faculty because faculty retire and then there's opportunities to hire new faculty. And then um, I am advocating with my colleagues for more investment in GI 2025, which will include funding to hire some new tenure track faculty and additional lecturers. So we will have more opportunities in the future to hire uh, talented and diverse faculty. And what I'd like to do is, is work with all the presidents to accelerate our progress in getting diverse pools of candidates and then having fair processes so that we get even more diverse selections uh, in the future. And there are ways in which we can do that through uh, intensive recruitment and outreach. And then there are also strategies over the medium term where we can get more of our graduates into doctoral programs and hopefully. Um, get them to come back as professors. And I saw that in Fresno occur and I wanna to try to accelerate that across uh, the whole system. Thank you. Thanks, Cameron. All right, we have uh, a few minutes left. We've got three in the queue. We're gonna to try to get through everybody. We'll go Chloe and then Ian and then uh, Christina, please. Hi again, I'm Chloe. I'm editor-in-chief of The Orion Hi. at Chico State. Yep. Hello. Um, I know previously you had mentioned that um, CSU campuses are going to be flexible with students that may not want to return to campus, whether that's for health reasons or personal reasons. Will that same um, effort be extended to faculty and staff if professors are not comfortable teaching in person? Yes, I believe so. That's, That's how we've proceeded throughout the pandemic. And I anticipate that that will continue to be the case. Um, My sense is that our faculty and staff in general want to get vaccinated. um, And so we're going to try to get them vaccinated as quickly as possible. And, um, you know, almost all the students that I talk with want to be vaccinated as well. So I think that's really the, the focus is to get people vaccinated and then to have the safe processes to repopulate the campus. Uh, the campuses this fall and to follow the local guidelines in doing so. All right, thank you, Chloe. We'll go Ian and then Christina, we'll let you conclude. Thanks so much. Uh, I'm Ian, I'm a reporter at the CSU or Chico State Orion. Um, you mentioned that um, the campuses are going to be vaccination sites, hopefully. Uh, I was wondering if you could expand on that a little bit. Uh, what kind of organizations are you going to be working with? Is this a uh, county public health uh, CSU collaboration or uh, how's that going to uh, look? It, it looks different uh, up and down the state. Uh, the campuses that are already involved are Bakersfield, Long Beach, Los Angeles, Maritime, Monterey Bay, 
Northridge, Pomona, and I think Pomona's is with Kaiser, um, Sacramento, San Diego, San Francisco, San Jose, San Marcos, and Stanislaus, and other campuses are, are working on different plans. So this is a fluid situation. They don't all look the same. Some are partnerships with county or state. Um, you know, the LA one involves the federal government now. Um, we're going to see some more campus uh, sites that are connected to the state and the federal government. There could be some additional private partnerships. Um, the goal really is to try to get as many people vaccinated as possible in the next several months. And we're going to be flexible in terms of doing that. And um, my hope is that's going to help us to, to safely um, provide as much instruction as possible in the fall. So however you can get it, you're going to take it. Absolutely. As long as it follows our policies and it's a, a reputable partner. And, uh, you know, this LA site is, is really going to be magnificent. It's going to serve not just the campus, but the, you know, population that really needs it in Los Angeles. It's been hit so hard by the pandemic and it's really important for us to have as many of those opportunities as possible up and down California. Thank you so much. You Thank you, Ian. We have one last question coming from Christina. If you could just identify which campus you're with, Christina. Hi, I'm Christina. I'm a reporter for SGSU. I'm with the Spartan Daily. And I was wondering um, about the graduation initiative of 2025. Yes. So I know that you were focusing on reducing equity gaps, but are there any of the six operational priorities that you guys are mostly focusing on right now? operational priorities. Can you say a little more about that? So um, I was looking at the website for yeah. the graduation initiative. Yeah. And it has outlined six priorities yeah. that you guys have and I yes. pull them up. Those they are financial support, academic preparation, enrollment management, student yeah. engagement and well-being and data-informed decision-making and administrative support. Yes, those pillars, th those are going to continue to be guiding uh, strategies. What we are going to do now is, is look at all those in terms of where are we in 2021 with an eye towards how do we eliminate these stubborn gaps. You know, we've made some great progress on the graduation rates and we'll continue to do that. I'm confident of that. Um, but I don't want us to meet those graduation rate targets and then continue to have gaps. It's that's not the outcome that we're looking for. So this group's gonna look at that um, in even greater depth and figure out what additional strategies we need to utilize. And I anticipate that that'll come in the form of recommendations to our board of trustees at the July meeting. Wonderful, I think that wraps it up for us. Um, thank you, Dr. Castro, for your time. Thanks to everyone uh, for joining us here today. Please stay safe and most importantly, healthy. Uh, Hazel Kelly has put her email address in the chat. So if there are follow-up questions or if there's anything else we didn't get a chance to address, please send an email to Hazel. Uh, and then I think uh, we will try to do this again uh, in the near future. So thanks everyone so much for your Thank time. You. Thank you very much. Thank Take you. care. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.